This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hey, hey, welcome back to episode number 48 of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Gingrich, an operations leader and mentor, and the founder of the Director of Operations Certification Program. And all of that is a mouthful, but it's really important today because I am really focused on pulling the hardwired specialties that I have and handing them over to you so that we can become more equipped and more ready to deal with some of the most recent current events that we have been dealing with. And so welcome back to episode number 48. Let's dive in. All right. So before I became an entrepreneur and doing what I'm doing today, I had several different experiences, but I worked in academia as a professor. I worked in healthcare as a nurse and in corporate America, I worked in human resources and project management and eventually in the executive space at a fortune 150 company. So in every single one of those roles, didn't matter if it was academia, healthcare or corporate America, I was in operational roles, meaning that I was always focused and involved in the back end of the business. And so that actually gave me that front row seat to seeing the systems and the processes, the management, um, what was working, what wasn't working. And also in the delivery, whether it was project or program delivery, that's really where I sat. I took care of either people or students, processes. That was my job. And so in episode number 43, I shared with you guys my journey from corporate America into entrepreneurship. And through these most recent current events, I have found myself leveraging more and more of those corporate operational skill sets and those standards that I really have taken for granted. And at this moment in time, as I'm recording this, I'm really questioning myself on why that has not been present either in my business or in the businesses that I've supported. And we're going to break that down today. You see, I left corporate to create a different life for my family and one that matched my values, which are extremely important to me. So if you've heard me anytime, you probably hear me talking about mission, vision, and values, and that's not going to change. I believe that that is the most foundational work that we can do as business owners and as people, as mothers, as family leaders. I believe that it's so, so important to look at this from many different viewpoints. But like I previously talked about, ladder climbing in corporate was laced with ego, and that wasn't something that was going to move my family's legacy forward. My kids don't care what position I held at corporate, but they did mind that they never, or they literally got me maybe 5% of the time. So when I was given the opportunity, I transitioned into the wild adventure of entrepreneurship. It's been a blessing. It's been difficult. And I can tell you it's, it's still worth it. It's hard. And I'm so glad I'm here. And I feel more charged than ever to help my peers, the people who are passionate about moving businesses forward. I'm I'm just excited to be here for you guys. 
So here we are. We're running a successful business from my house. I am being present for my family and living in a flexible lifestyle that allows me to accommodate the needs and the dreams of my family. And in the haste to build my business when I left corporate, I left some of these operational principles behind that have been so important in corporate development, but I'm recently seeing them bubble up in the recent current events. And that's what I want to share with you today. So before I begin, I want you to know that it's super common when you get started to press the gas and get started and commit to something. So when I think about this, the analogy that comes to my mind is exercise. So there's always that pivotal moment. Whenever you're charged, you're like in your, you're in your jam. Like it's, you have an exercise plan and you're living it. You're breathing it day in and day out. That starts because you hit a moment where you've had enough, or maybe, you know, a pair of jeans didn't fit. Maybe a health risk pops up. There's so many different things that lead you here. Maybe it's just like, you just don't feel good anymore. And you remembered that time in your life when you felt your best, you were active. So you know, logically that exercise is going to lead to the desired result that you want, which is probably to lose weight and to feel good. So when you start, you are all in, you're fired up and then inevitably your pants are going to fit a little bit better. The health reports are coming back better. And so you let off the gas. You take for granted the progress that you have made. So you lose your zest and yep, in due time, you're sleeping in late you're missing your workouts, you are making excuses, and your pants don't fit again. <laughs> I may or may not have been here a lot of times in my life. <laughs> but while this can happen over like one to three months in that scenario, in the business sense, as we compare that same example in the business world, what can happen in weight loss or exercise motivation can be in one to three months, but in our businesses, this actually is like one to three years. So it's even harder to identify the gaps because the time is extended substantially. Remember when you started your business, you had crazy excitement. You researched all day long, you dabbled in all the tech tools, and you hosted coffee chats, like way too many coffee chats. You spent a lot of time in Facebook groups, you stalked your competitors, and you figured out what you could offer. Then you finally made that website. You probably did it yourself. These are all things that I did, so I'm imposing that on you, but I assume that we were all we all had all or some of those experiences there. And then you get up and running, you start getting transactions coming through, you're making money, the success is there, but then all of a sudden some things just feel hard. Maybe not everything feels hard, but it's certainly harder than it was. And we start hearing words, we start telling ourselves words like overwhelm, exhausted, questioning if this new path that you're on is for you. Remember I told you that this is like a one to three year period. So this is all happening between zero and 12 months. This is that first year of business. You experience that high and then right around the 12 month mark or the one year mark, you start to really feel like, Ooh, this is getting heavy. Should I be here? And friends, this is natural. But here's why I'm irritated at myself. When I began this business, I didn't know anything except to leverage my corporate knowledge, and that's exactly what I did. That was a differentiator for me in the market. And some people loved it, and some were intimidated. And at the same time, I felt like I had a place that I could really make a change, a significant strategic change in the online space, which... 
I mean, if you come from corporate, you probably know when you started to, un- when the online business space started to unveil itself to you, I was like, what? I had no idea all of this actually lived out there. I had no idea that service providers could make a six figure living doing this stuff. And so my mind was blown, but I really didn't know what was out there. So when I started to see that I could be different by pulling on those corporate skills, those were the only skills I had. So I went all in. At first, I wanted to minimize them and conform to the other people who were in the service space online. And then I started to feel like, what am I doing? I have all this experience, this education, these designations, all of these things. I should not move back and conform. I should step up and be different. And so I wanted my business to happen as fast as possible, just like you did. But I did that because I wanted to compete with myself. So if you're an entrepreneur, you're likely competitive. You, I wanted to compete m- with myself and I wanted to beat my corporate salary. I kept hearing stories of how people did this and I wanted to be one of those people. So in doing so, I chose the obvious best practices from corporate because that's what I was really good at. That's the only thing that I knew, but I was doing this so quickly that I was pulling the most common And the best practices, like how to create strategic plans and different systems and processes that were easily pulled from corporate. And I did that by creating trainings for the small business world. Heck, I came in and ran several six and seven figure businesses for CEOs. And ultimately, I've trained directors of operations. And out of this work, my intellectual property was born and the certification was solidified. So to get to this point, I have heavily focused on organic marketing. And so making those relationships and those connections and deepening those people, inviting them into my space. So that's the only new thing that I had had that I brought to what I was doing today. Everything else kind of came for me and I adapted it. So to my exercise example, my pants were fitting better pretty quickly because I had found a niche, I had found a way to stand out, and I had enough confidence to step into this really quickly. So proverbially, I kept the weight off for a while, but now my pants are starting to get a little bit tight again. And here's why. There are some incredible best practices that should have come with me that were not obvious in my rush to get this business off the ground as fast as possible. That said, it's never too late to improve. I know this myself. I'm hard on myself, but I know it's never too late to improve. And not only am I going to improve my business, I'm here to help you improve yours and have an impact on your clients' businesses too. I believe I always talk to my directors of operations about the ripple effect and me being that little bitty pebble and then their rings that help me to increase the ripple are so important because they're going to add new things and layer new things on, give a different light, give a different opinion and view and have a greater impact. 2020 has been a heck of a year thus far, and sadly, we're not even halfway through it. But through the hard, good is often born, and that's exactly what I'm going to be sharing with you today with my tight pants. (laughs) Hope you get that reference. (laughs) If you're listening to this, you are no stranger to COVID-19 or coronavirus. When that pandemic hit, we as business owners, we questioned ourselves, we froze, we denied what was happening. You likely considered a pivot you shut down, you took time off, you considered all the what if situations because we living in first world countries, many of you guys that are listening to this, you probably never thought that this would actually happen, that there would be some source of protection over us. And guess what? We 
at one point, I think I said this in a training or in a podcast before, at that moment in time, in the middle of March, 2020, the entire globe was the same. It was a very humanizing moment and it was a moment that I really relished in. I know it was sad and it was hard, but at the same time, wow, like how humbling for everyone to be on one solid ground. So we were blind for the first time in a very long time. The global economy had shifted. It shifted very quickly and we had little runway to be able to correct anything before it was on our personal doorsteps, not even our professional doorsteps. Because at first, we're all thinking about ourselves and our family as the primary, you know, that's our primary instinct. So in corporate institutions, we have business continuity plans. And as a result, you know, you've probably heard these be called several different things. And so sometimes they're resiliency plans, disaster plans, recovery plans, but today I'm going to refer to them as business continuation plans. And we as small business owners, we quickly found out that one of these would have sure been nice to be able to pull out of that proverbial top desk drawer to know what to do in this type of a situation. And so with this first struggle that we faced, all of us faced in 2020, What I learned is that a business continuation plan was missing from my business. And as I looked around at my clients, my past clients, my students, my peers, what I saw was the lack of a business continuation plan. What is a business continuation plan? It's a plan to mitigate your risk that can come up in your business specifically that can disrupt your operations. If it disrupts your operations, it's going to stop your ability to assume a healthy financial position. And I'm no stranger to you are in business to bring home the bacon. You are here to make sure that you bring home financials, you have transactions that bring you profit that can come back into your home. And if we don't arm ourselves with what to do when disaster strikes, you can find yourself in an unhealthy financial place. And we saw it, right? We've seen businesses close. We've seen large brands file for bankruptcy. We've seen small businesses not be able to survive. And a business continuation plan won't save you, but it can certainly help you or extend your time to be able to take action. If nothing else, you've got a laid out plan that you can start marching down immediately. So why would you need something like this? Well, small businesses, this is different than corporate. Remember in corporate, they've got a lot more to, you think they have a lot more to risk. Things can go down and it, it the impact is big because of the number of people there. But small businesses are typically very lean, meaning they have very few resources or employees or contractors. And what I have learned as I've pulled all of this back and really been doing some deep reflection is that we are very codependent. We're codependent on processes. We're codependent on people. We make a lot of assumptions. And so a continuity plan will give you that flexibility to be able to adapt very quickly to stay competitive when disaster strikes. And it can prevent and minimize those emotional decisions. If you think back to maybe the middle of March, you weren't totally shaken, but maybe, I bet, come April 1st, you're like, oh my gosh, this is real. This is really happening. What are we going to do? When you are in that type of state, you're going to make emotional decisions that may or may not make sense. So what we saw is a lot of people start pulling out old skill sets 
that had previously brought them income, we saw products come up that were just quick to deliver. We saw a lot of emotional decisions based on scarcity and fear. And some of these are going to work out for you guys. Some of them were completely fine. But the reality is, if you can take the time to minimize your losses minimize that emotionality that's going to happen, probably going to come out with better financial stability. So when we talk about a business continuation plan, what all should be included? I'm going to walk through this today. This is obviously audio. And so I just want you to follow along with me. This is the beginning of what can get you started in thinking about business continuity plans. Now, I know we are not corporations. We're not going to create them, to test them, to, I mean, we did the the full works at the company that I worked for. We are not going to do that. But here is the minimum of what you need to do. I want you to think about the critical functions of your business. And I typically break these down into three different areas, marketing, and then sales, and then delivery and fulfillment. That's the place that operations lives. Now, I want you to think about the four Ps, people, processes, your profits, and your partnerships. I'm going to break these down a little bit more because I want you to walk through each of these. As I'm talking about this, I want you to look at each of these or think of each of these through the lens of disaster and disruption. And how would each of these things be impacted if disaster struck? Which of these are the most critical because everything in business is a prioritization. You're going to have to do that here. And then I want you to establish an owner for each of these. If you're a really tiny, mighty business like mine, you may be responsible for every single one of these. You may have one or two people who can help you with some, and I want you to designate, have the conversation, make sure they know and you know exactly what is going to be happening when and if a disaster strikes. And then ultimately, are there any backups or alternatives that you need to be exploring and doing some work, some research on to prevent something worse from happening? So let's go back through that. Remember, you're looking through the lens of disaster. When we talk about people, so this is the lives of the workers. And so when you think about that, who are the people that work for you? What is their position? Now, we work in small enough businesses where we likely know all of this. We know what their primary role is in the business. We know if they have a spouse. We know if they live in an apartment or a home. Now, this is data that you get over time. This is not a form that you get from somebody. But I want you to think about if disruption happened to this person, the lives of your workers, what happens in your business? If someone, you know, I'm going to put some unfortunate circumstances out there. But if, so, if there's a death of a coworker or a spouse of a coworker or a parent of a coworker, they are going to be removed from your business. I need you to understand right now what their capacity is in your business, basically how much they work, what is their responsibilities in your business, and how much do you pay them and when do you pay them? This needs to be documented because guess what? The lives of your workers are not just your employees and your contractors. They're also you. So what if something happened to me? My husband, Jess, would have to know what to do to come in here. If not Jess, it would be my right hand, Esther. They would need to know what to do to carry out the business. So that is a different kind of disaster, but that's certainly one that we should all be thinking about. That's the people area. So this is the capacity that they work in your business, what their responsibilities are, what you pay them, 
how often you pay them, and how. That needs to be documented for every single person. The next P is processes. So these are all of the systems and process documents that you're always wanting to get to and you always delay. So as I have worked with so many businesses in the online space, this is not sexy work. Sometimes if you have the discretionary income, it's better just to pay someone to get this work done. But I want you to look at this from every single part of your business. So that marketing, the sales, the delivery and operations, I want you to look at all of the system, the critical systems and processes that are needed to get your legion in, to actually make the sell, to deliver and fulfill the promise that you have given to your customer who has now purchased something from you. What systems and processes are necessary? Then I want you to look at the tools and the software, still in the processes space, but what are the tools and the software that you use in your business? We need to understand if these tools were to have an outage, if something were to go down, what is your backup plan? You see where I'm going here? So think of everything through the lens of disaster and disruption. What if one day... Facebook eliminates. And we see this all the time in the ad space. Facebook will, you know, take out your your ad account. And when that happens, what do you do? You see lots of posts on Facebook or on in various platforms of, "Oh my goodness, they took away my ad account today. What am I going to do? What's the next plan?" That is a very 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 good example of a business continuation plan. So think about all the tools and all the software that's in your business. The easiest way to do this, ladies, is to go through your profit and loss and your expenses and look to see over the course of 12 months, every month is not enough because some of these you have probably paid on an annual subscription. And so looking back 12 months is the best way to do this. But I want you to know, I want you to look at these and understand what you would do if there's a backup plan. And let's just say PayPal quit processing fees. Maybe they went out of business or maybe their headquarters or maybe they were digitally attacked and they didn't have the capability of processing our fees anymore. If you are collecting fees through that one channel and it's now been eliminated, what happens? All right, the third P is profits. So this is the way that you generate revenue in your business. So this is what you sell, but not just what you sell. It's where it comes from. Is there equipment? Is there inventory? And so I need you to think about this both from the service-based side, as well as those product-based businesses that you could support. We definitely have directors of operations who are specifically supporting product-based businesses. And so from a service side, it's what you sell. How is your revenue generated? And what happens if that is pulled out from underneath you? What do you do to generate revenue from a service side? If you don't have Facebook anymore, how do you make connections? If your scheduler quits working, how do you continue to get calls booked? And since those calls generate that income for you. And then on the product side, If you are shipping in materials from another country and that country has a natural disaster, what is your continuation plan? Do you have a backup facility? Where is your equipment stored? What is the risk to it? What if you have a hurricane in your area and your storage facility is completely flooded? What do you do? Do you have insurance? And then lastly, that inventory piece. How do you count? How do you keep up? How do you document your inventory? Last thing is partnerships. This is going to be the furthest 
most difficult to comprehend for those of us in the online or small business space, because this is really how your operations are carried out. And so you're going to start thinking about your financial providers. What happens if the banks collapse? What happens if regulations are imposed on us? This definitely happened during Corona. What happens if there's a political uprising? What if your utilities are affected and you have a brick and mortar, you have a storefront. What if your utilities are affected? What about transportation? What if there can be no more flights into the United States? Or what if there can be no more imports? What are you going to do and how is your business affected? I hope by going through these four P's of people, processes, profits, and partnerships that you can start to really dig deep into your business. It's probably going to require you to look a little bit deeper, a little bit differently at how you do businesses, but this is the base of your plan, of your business continuation plan. Again, it's a basic plan and it's a starting place. At this point, you need to draft a plan and allow it to be just imperfect. Allow yourself to get started, to have something in place, and then you're going to review this every single quarter. And if you don't review it every quarter, please, at a minimum, every single year. So in this case, as we talk through all of this, if you look at this through the vein of the COVID-19 pandemic, how would having this business continuation plan have been helpful? Well, if you had a plan and your team was unavailable, which happened, then you would have been clear on who needs to do what and what is important. Basically, you drop less balls and you know what needs to be backed up. The critical processes in your business would have been documented. Again, you've got a backup plan. If you're the only person available and you've not been doing these processes for many years, at least you have a one, two, three, maybe a video to be able to do those. Let's just say you have not been paying your employees. Someone else has been doing that on your behalf, but now that person's not available. You need a backup plan. We take for granted and we have tiny, lean, mighty teams, but at some point we are going to be in a situation where not all hands can be on deck. Another thing is if your product offering was interrupted because of a political deal or or a regulation that came down or transportation halted your goods, if a product that you were offering is in jeopardy, and can't be fulfilled, you have the financial knowledge to know what the impact is going to be so that you can course correct. So if you need to make up $5,000 because this product that generates $5,000 can't get to your doorstep, now you know you have a very fast, you're able to do that, that math and know you've got the data to know how much you need to feel, and then some ideas and options for what that fast cash can look like. Also, if you had a physical location, what type of plan would you need to keep things going? If you work from home and maybe you work from home and you don't have utilities, what would the course of action be? So we talk about this, like right now today, we're talking about this and you're probably thinking about COVID-19 and this pandemic, but there are natural disasters that happen. Nobody, natural disasters do not discriminate. And so you are going to see this in, you know, here in the recent Last year, we've seen wildfires, we've seen hurricanes, tornadoes, we've seen flooding, all of those things have affected our businesses. And so having a business continuation plan is going to decrease that emotional taxing that happens on you. 
So if I had to bet most small businesses with teams under 20 and revenue under 10 million don't have a business continuation plan. If they do, they started it, they put it on the shelf and they've let it sit there, which is still better than nothing. Let this be your reminder. I wanna encourage you to prioritize this work. We've experienced a lot in 2020, but as we experience this, we need to take note, really be astute of the lessons that are being taught to us, and we need to take action on those. It's a best practice in corporate, and we should not minimize that in our own small businesses. We are super vulnerable, and we're likely to have more to lose in a catastrophic or disruptive state. So, you know, I was saying earlier that we think of these large businesses as, oh my goodness, you know, they've got all these people and they're going to lay off 600 people. Well, guess what? In your business, that could be everything to you. You may not have but two to 10 people, but having to let all of them go and impacting that, I know how heavy that is on you. I think about it you think about it, you think about it for the businesses that you support. And if we have a backup plan or a business continuation plan, you have the ability to be able to equip yourself to make better decisions. Alrighty, ladies, thank you so much for hanging out with me for the first 30 minutes. I'm going to dive into the second half. This is a little bit longer podcast, but please don't go away. I need you to hear the last half of this. So the second operational plan that you need to establish in your business that every corporation has is a diversity and inclusion plan. In the past two weeks, I have been so frustrated at myself for skipping this when I built my business. I spent six years working in the diversity and inclusion part of the HR organization at my Fortune 150 company, and I was privileged to have been trained and trained thousands of people in best diversity and inclusion practices. So there is really no excuse for me to not have this as a part of my business. And so learning from my own mistakes, being very candid with you guys, I am going to help all of us to get this set up. The systemic problems with racial injustice are strongly present and we must address those. And we must address those now. And I hope that you are as on board with me as I am ready to lead. At least educate. It's clear to see from, you know, all of the social sites, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, all the things, and various messaging that's going out, conversations that most people are ready to commit to doing the work to eradicate this racial injustice and the racism that is present. I trust that those people are going to educate themselves just as I will continue to bring the conversation into my home to change some things in their business. But what I fear most of all is that sustainment of work. I saw it in corporate. As soon as we would change a leader, we would wait to see, is this person into, I'm just going to use innovation because that's one of the areas in our business that one leader was all excited about, but a new leader came in and had less of a focus. And all of a sudden we started to see that organization and that unit dissolve. And so my biggest fear right now is that this work that people are excited to do and are committed to doing is going to fall flat out of the competition of all the things that you have to get done in your business. So you and I know this, but I'm going to remind you, the easiest way to make a diversity and inclusion plan a reality is to actually create a plan that suits your unique business. And it's 
difficult to know exactly what to do and how to do it and what it looks like and what it should look like for your business. So at a minimum, I'm going to be here from an operational perspective. The greatest value I can add to this conversation is to help businesses in an operational viewpoint and help them equip themselves through a plan. So this is my commitment as I incorporate these principles that I put in place in a Fortune 150 company, I'm going to tailor those to my tiny little six-figure business, and I'm going to be sharing those with you. You're going to have a behind the scenes. You're going to have templates. You're going to have the things that I'm using. I'm just going to make those readily accessible for you for free so that you can have the structure that you need to make these advancements in your business. I don't want you to have the opportunity to have the excuse to say, I don't know what to do because I'm going to help you with several parts of this. Now, a lot of the mindset work, a lot of the deep work that you need to do, I'm going to let the experts do that. So I'm going to step into my place and really hope that you join me on educating yourself with doing that deep work. So again, let me express my shame in not having these this exact DNI plan in place and reemphasize my commitment to this growth going forward. And it will not stop with me. It's going to be included in my Director of Operations Certification Program. And as I shared with you guys, as I grow, I'm going to be sharing this with you so that you can put it in your business and affect your clients' businesses. Remember back to the beginning of this episode where we talked about the pebble and how the Directors of Operations helped me to create that ripple effect and By doing that, we can come together to affect and infect lots of businesses with this positive practice that has been left outside of small business. So what exactly is a diversity and inclusion plan? Simply put, it's your business strategy and the practices that you commit to, to creating a diverse workplace. It does not stop at the workplace. It needs to go further than that and include your total brand. Here's the thing. I'm going to read this list to you. So diversity is, it's much more than race. That's what, I know that's what we're focused on today and we need to be. Do not let those words minimize that situation. I know that. I want to show you that a full diversity and inclusion plan would include all of the following. People's age, their race, their religion, their belief, the spirituality, their gender, their sexual orientation, disability, their ethnicity and the national origin their family status, veteran status, their generation. When I say generation, that can be millennials, that could be baby boomers, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Languages, life experiences, personality type, their physical characteristics, and thinking and learning styles. This is not comprehensive, but I believe that that's a pretty good list of the ways that diversity shows up in a workforce. So I want you to evaluate that list and see where you have needs and concerns. I want you to address the applicable gaps first. Race and gender are typically the leaders of that list. So here's the real truth, my friends. We run businesses. If you're listening to this, you likely run a business of two to 10 people, or you sit on a team of two to 10 people. It is absolutely impossible to satisfy that entire list that I just read off to you. So prioritizing this list is absolutely necessary. So look at your values, look at your consumer, and by doing that, that may help you in the prioritization. Your values need to come first, and I hope racial injustice, the advancement of anti-racism, 
is in your value set, if that is the case, then you're going to put race at the very top of that list. So once you have the objectives, the priorities of what you're going to do, that's what I'm calling your objectives, now you need to create your plan. So in the coming episodes, I am going to be creating a diversity and inclusion audit specifically for small online businesses so that you can assess your business and not only your business, but your brand's image, your messaging, the talent, and your reach. So much more. But this is going to be your guide to starting the work that is so long overdue in the small and online business space. This is the work that is going to start and lead you in creating a diversity and inclusion plan. It's impossible for me in one podcast to go through everything that's needed and how to create this. And so I think more of a training would be helpful for that. But in the least, I'm going to start with this audit and get us going so that you can start identifying where the gaps are. I just keep hearing over and over and over from especially my white peers that they don't know what to do. And so I'm hoping that this can come to you and really equip you with at least one tiny advancement to really be that the kickoff of all the things and identifying what really needs to happen in your business to start taking action to being a standout brand. So studies have shown that establishing diversity in your business is going to lead to greater productivity and profitability. This is done through having diversity in your staff is going to give you better, more diverse, clearly, creative thinking, typically more innovative More innovation happens here, better decisions. That's all a byproduct of diversity. And besides the obvious, it's going to elevate the effectiveness of your business, the satisfaction of your team. So, I mean, there are endless studies out there that show you that people like being around diversity and businesses overall success is going to increase. You're going to attract additional customers. And again, that's where we start looking at how you reflect your values in your brand how diversity shows up in your brand is going to allow you to bring in new customers and help customers identify with you. They have to be authentic. They have to be in alignment with how you really feel. Otherwise, it's so easy to see. And this ultimately provides you a competitive advantage. So as I reflect on these last 90 days, I am whoa, so overwhelmed with emotion. Some days I'm exhausted. Some days I'm fearful. Some days I'm anxious. Some days I'm so excited and eager to do the work. Emotion is just the simplest way to put this, but I long for our businesses to be an expression of your values, to provide you financial stability that I know you want out of your business, and to serve greater, to do a greater service to the world, to the global economy. And I believe that these two best practices that we talked about today have snuck out of the small business space, and they need to be present. They need to be reviewed on a regular basis. I'm going to do it, and I'm also going to hold you to it. So the operations activity of this episode, number 48, is I I need you to come into my group, the private Facebook group specifically for project managers and directors of operation. I want you to come into that group, and I want you to tell me, what date are you going to commit to creating these two plans for your business? I am just asking for a date, but I want to be that accountability for you. I want to see action, and I know that this is what everybody wants. I think that we're going to become distracted, and by giving you the structure, you have one less excuse of doing the work. And so 
I want you to join me for this ops activity of episode number 48. Join me in the opsinsiders.com, which is our private Facebook group, and answer the question, what date are you going to commit to creating these two plans for your business? These two plans that we're talking about today are your business continuation plan, what happens in disaster, and secondly, your diversity and inclusion plan. Before I wrap this up today, my platform is so tiny, but it's mighty. (laughs) And as a leader of directors of operation, we have influence over some incredible brands, some growing and scaling businesses. We are a small part of the change that's needed. And I am here to support these women to make this a reality for your business and theirs. An open heart and action is going to be required. So you're in the right place if you're ready and willing to do the big things that strategically will change the culture of our workforce. By changing the culture of your workforce, this trickles down. So I always say that we start the work in our homes and then expand it into the workforce. What if by bringing this to the workplace, we actually work it in reverse? or at least we amplify it in reverse. Ladies, the work begins now. I'm here for it. I'm here for you. I want change so desperately. I hope you're here for it. And I look forward to seeing you on episode number 49 next week. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.